Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Congressman Ro Khanna will be joining us, taking your calls in a National Progressive Town Hall meeting. He is the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. But uh, outside of that, it's just you and me taking your calls for the day. I do have a couple of stories that I think are worth flagging for your attention and a short rant to share with you before I pick up your phone calls. Did you know that there's a thousand nurses on strike in West Virginia? And it's not, it has nothing to do with COVID. It's about Build Back Better. They want Joe Biden's bill to pass. We'll get to that. Trying to send a message to Joe Manchin. This is how the payday report, uh, Mike Elk actually wrote this. Mike used to be a guest on our program all the time. He covers, does a great job of covering labor issues. Uh, He writes, in the parking lot outside of K-Bell Huntington's emergency department, workers have gathered in front of a fire bin. Heather Jordan, a middle-aged secretary approaching retirement age at the hospital, is standing with other workers trying to warm themselves as the temperature drops into the 30s. It's a freezing cold Wednesday night on the first day of the strike at K-Bell Huntington Hospital, where more than 1,000 workers are participating. And then he goes on to all these other ones. And, uh, you know, it notes that unlike hospitals who use the Federal CARES Act to give their workers bonuses and raises, Cabell Hunting Hospital, despite receiving $40 million in CARES Act dollars, did not. As a result, many healthcare workers left the hospital. So, you know, basically workers are saying enough already. Uh, on the SEIU picket line, people are waving signs that say, build back better. Originally, they'd printed the signs for rallies to call on Joe Manchin to support Building Back Better, uh, but they, uh, they think the signs make a good slogan, too. So it's Build Back Better as, as a strike slogan now all across America. People are getting it. You know, it's, it's just, it's, I think this is like a really good thing, and, and I am hopeful that Joe Manchin gets the message. You know, essentially... Uh, my take on what has happened in the House of Representatives this week as they have added back in the family leave provision, which Joe Manchin didn't want. They've added a bunch of things back in that Manchin and Sinema are objecting to. And I think the House, they're basically saying, okay, you know, the Senate is not our problem. 
we're going to pass a reasonable piece of legislation that is a huge compromise in the original $6 trillion we wanted. We've got it down to one and a half. And then we're going to send it to the Senate. And good luck, Chuck Schumer. You should be able to round up your guys, your people. And we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it works. I'm actually uh, um, encouraged by all the hopefulness that I'm hearing from members of the House. I'm not hearing that same hopefulness from members of the Senate, but we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be a fascinating time. Rudy in Norwalk, California. Hey, Rudy, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. I just want to mention uh, regarding uh, the QAnon. So my neighbor, he's a kind of one of these people, and it's, he took a complete different turn because he, so he's, his wife is a Mexican immigrant, so, so am I, so I'm not hating on them, but he, his wife's in it. Uh, in fact, I helped sign the legal, you know, papers so that they can, so she can stay here. Now, he went from anti-Trump to pro-Trump. He believes in this whole crazy thing about the whole, like, he really believes, that, I don't know if I can mention celebrities online. Sure. I mean, I'm still on the it. air. Like, uh, like Johnny Depp, like, she, he really believes, like, oh, why do you think he looks so young and this and that, and I go, uh, because he's a celebrity and he can, he can afford plastic surgery. And he said, no, it's because they're drinking the blood. When I go, no, that makes no sense. Like, how is that possible? Like, that makes no sense. Yeah. So I don't know how to get to him. And just, yeah, he took a complete turn. Like, it, it put me out because, like, he went from anti-Trump to really believing in the cell, QAnon. Now, in fairness, it might be attributed to that. Cause he's a construction worker. He fell off his, uh, doing construction work, fell on his head. And I'm like, you need to talk to someone because that's, that's not normal. Like, you, you have kids, you can't really be, you know, you can't have that mentality and really believe that these. Yeah, I doubt it was his head injury, Rudy. I'm guessing it was more his immersion in either a Facebook group that's all about this or, you know, being buddies with somebody who is. A co-worker, I believe, he mentioned a co-worker, and he said he went down yeah. the rabbit hole, and I go, and I go, no, Juan, like, it, that doesn't make any sense. Like, no, that's not real. Like, yeah. So like, you're having would, no you know, luck getting it, through yeah. to him. I can't know, and even my buddy, my family, my siblings—they're fairly liberal, and even they say, "Yeah, he's not the same. Like he's just a whole different person." And I just feel like I don't know if his coworkers kind of taking advantage of this whole thing. But I tried talking to him. I told him, "You're not talking to someone because there's no way that you mentioned Johnny Depp. I'm not a celebrity. That's why they look so young." And I go, "Yeah, long because they have money. The celebrities they can afford the plastic surgery. Like they can afford that." He goes, "No, because they're drinking alleged to that they're drinking that that's a liquid or yeah, adrenochrome." Uh, yeah, yeah. He keeps insisting. I go, no, that's not it. That's not it's, it. it. Yeah, it's not, not even. That. It's not even a fountain of youth. I mean, that's that's a distortion of uh, you know uh, the the theory that Hunter Thompson laid out in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was that adrenochrome would get yeah. you high. It doesn't even do that. It would it would make you nervous. <laughs> that would be about it because you know it's an analog of adrenaline. Rudy, yeah. I don't know what to offer, what to suggest. I, you know, keep it up. I mean, you got to keep banging on this and, and, and try to wake people up from their delusions, particularly if, you know, those delusions might end them up in jail or something, you know, and somebody with families. It's a tough one. Rudy, thank you yeah, for sharing. Go ahead. One thing that I can make, I want to make an argument against conservatives is if they're really about the whole saving a life, the, the Texas Harpy law, mm-hmm. I really think. If they really believe in this, oh, well, because they're saving a life, then I think that if Biden were to implement vaccine mandates, everyone in the country that's over 65 or with health issues, that's pro-life because that's saving a life. So how do they argue against that? But they say, no, you got to save. And I get tired of the whole killing a baby. It's not a baby. It's a fetus. I think you discussed that as well, too. And that's the argument that yeah. I make. I push this is, back. Yeah, this is like, this is a I think at the end of the day, this is a religious issue. Rudy, thank you for the call. Kitty in Delray Beach, Florida. Hey, Kitty, what's on your mind today? Hi, 
I really enjoyed your program about the book, The Immortality Key. I mm-hmm. think that was what it was called. Yeah. The- and the secret hidden uh, religions that all religions are based on. And you guys were talking about Greece and, you know, how they, how maybe psychedelics influence the religion. And I was, when I was listening to that, I was wondering if you had ever heard of, um, maybe you'd have the Serious Mysteries with the Dog Star um, tribe. Oh, yeah, in the Africa? people in Africa, yeah. Yeah, uh, Steve, yeah, Steve um, Larson wrote a book about them. Steve is an old friend of mine. Oh, amazing. I, I've, I've really followed this um, story for probably 20 years, read anything I can about them because I find it fascinating. But um, they were saying uh, that a lot of Greek, when, when Greek, the Greeks pulled religion, a lot of it came from, of course, Africa, Egypt, and particularly them. And they had this whole thing about the stars, and I can't get into it because it's too long. But one thing about the Greeks that was interesting is the story of Jason and the Argonauts is actually a pagan story, rewritten old story, about a 50-year elliptical order that um, Sirius B has. And so it's pagan star worship from Africa that made its way into Greece, and that's where I think a lot of the, the, the origins of Christianity come from. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a, anybody who's curious about these things, the serious mysteries with the dog star people are great. It's a great thing. Also, um, part of the, your conversation I found interesting is psychedelics. I, too, took psychedelics when I was youth. When I was a teenager, I did plenty of LSD. Uh, not plenty, but I did a few. And um, recently I started microdosing. And I think that there is some really good medicine in microdosing. It has completely helped alleviate stress, anxiety. I don't take medication anymore. A little bit of microdosing completely fixed that. So I think hmm. it's a, a topic that's very interesting to me. How many micrograms for you is a microdose? Um, I, I'm not sure about the grams because I'm kind of doing it old school with mushrooms. Um, so I'm just mm-hmm. taking a little piece of the mushroom. Ah, um, okay. You know, so that's how I'm doing it. Um, I would love it if these things became more legal so it was safer, more regulated. But until then, I got to go old school. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, I, a lot of people are doing that right now, Kitty. I, I haven't taken psychedelics since I was a teenager. So I, you know, it's uh, outside of smoking pot, um, you know, uh, which I can legally do now here in Portland. But um, uh, it's fascinating. It, it stuff. came to us. It came to us because, um, you know, my, my husband is a, a veteran and he has some issues from his service. So mm-hmm. it's a topic that we've been like looking at and thinking about a lot. We have yeah. friends who went to Costa Rica and it helped them quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And this is great. for This stuff is apparently great for PTSD. I mean, the studies are just shocking how good it works. Kitty, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. It's great to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening to us on SiriusXM. Larry in Los Angeles. Hey, Larry, what's up? Hey, so we just got our jobs report, and uh, Biden in 10 months has almost seen as many jobs created as Ronald Reagan did in his first term. Wow. Uh, Biden, five and a half million. Ronald Reagan was 5.8 million. Wow. So, um, for, so, um, why is the Democratic Party not singing that from the rooftops? We beat Reagan, almost. Well, because... Uh, the Democrats know they don't have Newsmax. They don't have Real America Voice. They don't have Fox News. They don't even have CBS, NBC, and ABC. Right. Those, those, all of those networks use the Republican talking points to start their stories. 
on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, that Afghanistan uh, uh, fiasco that took place, that was mostly Donald Trump's doing. Yeah. They blamed it all on, on, um, on Biden. And, and at the same time, when Biden was getting these horrible, uh, they weren't horrible, they were actually better than what Trump got. But Biden was getting some of his worst jobs numbers. Now they've been revised up, all of them up. In other words, so they, so they trashed him for Afghanistan. At the same time, they were trashing him for the job numbers, which were actually better than Donald Trump's. And, and then when they're upgraded, and oh my goodness, where's the market is hitting uh, all-time highs again, and Biden's job numbers are great, but nobody's talking about it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I, it hit, six, it, it hit I, 36,000. It. it hit 36,000, and they didn't say a word about it. Yeah, yeah, I get it, Larry, and it makes me crazy, but, you know, hey, it's, it's what is. Larry, thank you for the call. Uh, Steve in uh, Austin, uh, Houston, Texas. Hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, Tom, how are you? Good. Hey, I talked to you about a, about a month ago uh, about some stuff about uh, the goodness of men and stuff, and a lot of your books I read. Uh, but today I wanted to, I heard you talking the other day about some spiritual spirituality with the, the person who, the fellow who wrote the book about the no-name God mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And also, you know, uh, I think you'd be a good guy to talk to about this, uh, about this, the origination of the swastika because of the time you spent in Germany and a lot of research it's, you've it's been a, on It's an old Buddhist and Hindu symbol. Well, I don't think so, Tom. I, I think I think this is where it comes from. Uh, and see, we have to look at why Except the Nazis... Except it pointed the other direction. Go ahead, I'm sorry. What, uh, okay, that's okay. But anyways, what I was going to say was we have to look at you know, the German Nazi party. They were the Christian conservatives, right? Well, is that the party that you could you could argue that they certainly started out that way? Okay, but anyways, it would it would seem they would want to use a Christian symbol on their on their flag, and that's what I'm saying. The swastika is, and and basically where that swastika comes, it comes from the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a spiritual symbol, and the only way you can see that is spiritually. And that is you have to basically have the sacraments. I'm a Catholic. Have the sacraments. And the the symbol's not like written on the wall, and it's not like carved in the dirt, but it's like a spiritual symbol that you can interpret when you go there as a pilgrim. But anyways, what what, what I was going to say is that what do you think that symbol looks like when you look at it? Uh, I mean, I've heard you. It looks like uh, a swastika to me. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I, I, well, I thought well, it was an ancient rune, you know, uh, that that uh, well, the Norwegians I've, I've have borrowed you, from the Hindus. But I, you know. Well, I've heard you. I've heard you mention this that you think it's from, that think it's from nature. I don't think it's from nature anywhere on the planet, and I'll tell you no, why. I, I don't either. Because. Yeah, because it has the 90-degree angles, and it, it has straight lines. That's not a natural, a natural figure you would right. see. Right. So, so, so where I'm going with this is that what I'm saying that symbol is, is that is a galaxy. That's a spiral galaxy is what that is. And with the curved arms, yeah. with, the, with, 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 with the broken arms. Yeah. Now, yeah, why, now, 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 I know that sounds kind of far out, but... Now let's go back. Steve, make your make your final point here because I, I do want to move along to the next caller. But you know it's interesting. Oh, okay. What's well, your point? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you can ponder on this later and think about. It. But what I was going to say when you go to the book of Deuteronomy, if you look at the if you look at the front page where it says Deuteronomy, and you read between the lines like you can when you have the sacraments, you see the symbol of a regular galaxy with the curved arms. Yeah. Okay. So basically, the book of Deuteronomy basically. Uh, it, Lays it up. Okay, Steve, I got it. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much for the call. Ed in 29 Palms, California. Hey, Ed, what's on your mind? 
Hello, Tom. Uh, what's on my mind is I just read that there were 531,000 new jobs for Americans last month. Correct. And I would like to know what kind of jobs those are. I don't have a breakdown. What the New York Times is reporting this morning was that there was a significant uptick in the service economy, which had been down as, you know, typically as a result of COVID, as well right. as increases in manufacturing. I, 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 oh, and also that the actual number in the private sector was over 600,000, which means that government employment actually went down over the last month. Okay, so not so, that many great jobs. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how many of those were minimum wage versus how many were union jobs. I haven't seen a breakout like that. What I have seen, yeah. though, is that, you know, uh, like uh, uh, the Center for uh, uh, PECR, I'm, I'm forgetting the acronym, but, you know, one, one of the progressive economic think tanks is saying this is really good news. So, you know, on its surface, I'll take their name. They're their, their safe for it. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks a lot, Ed. Good talking to you. We'll be right back with more of your calls on the Tom Hartman program, the place where we dare to ask, is Walmart a person? Is Amazon a person? Is it right that one space shot for Jeff Bezos burns more carbon than an entire community in rural Africa? Probably not. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally-sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. On the line with us is Congressman Ro Khanna. He represents the 17th District of California in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. His website, Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A dot house dot gov. And you can tweet him at Rep Ro, as in R-O, Rep Ro Khanna. 
Congressman Connor, welcome back. So what's going on in Congress today? Well, we're hoping to vote today on both the president's bill to help workers and job creation, the Build Back Better bill. Uh, we've been uh, waiting, frankly, all day for uh, the vote. Uh, we expected it to be this morning. Uh, I am told there are five uh, moderate conservative Democrats who are uh, holding it up, who are insisting on seeing a CBO score before voting, uh, even though the Joint Taxation Committee has already scored it and uh, it pays for itself. Uh, it seems a delay tactic, and we're hoping uh, the leadership will prevail on them and work through it. Would this be like Gottheimer, Rice, Schrader, you know, the guys who are basically saying Medicare shouldn't negotiate drug prices, or is this some other special interest group? It's it's basically a, a group of them. A Schrader is part of it, Rice, Mike Golden, Stephanie Murphy, uh, and they basically, you know, the whole caucus is ready to vote. Everyone thought we were going to vote this morning. They go in and they say, well, we can't vote until there's a CBO score, which is two weeks from now at the earliest. I think something else is going on. I, I don't think that they really are waiting for a CBO score. No one no. outside the Beltway knows what the CBO is. It's just they're looking for a, a delay. Yeah, that's tragic. Anything else you wanted to share with us or bring up before we start picking up phone calls? Well, we just have to get this done. I mean, the president today said, I'm asking every House member to get this done. And, you know, the progressives actually said, as soon as we have a framework from the president, we'll get on board. And within two days of getting the president's framework, uh, we got on board with a bill that's going to provide universal preschool, uh, be bold on climate. Now, we were criticized because we compromised uh, from, from our own left, but we said, no, we have to have uh, progress. And it's tragic that if the progressives have been willing to compromise, if we were willing to endorse the president's framework within two days, that it's really the, the, the other wing of the party that is holding everything up. Yeah, yeah, the corporate wing or conservative wing or whatever you want to call it. Um, what are the chances that if you guys pass both the BIF and the Build Back Better and send them back to the Senate, the Senate has already approved the BIF, that they'll just let the Build Back Better die? There's always some risk. I'm uh, pretty confident that won't happen. Ninety-five percent of the uh, Build Back Better bill has been pre-conferenced with the Senate. I think the bigger danger is that it will get tweaked in ways that will be less progressive, and then we're going to have to go back and forth in what the final version is. Uh, my sense is that's the bigger risk, the dilution of it, than that they will say I'm, we're not going to pass it, because that, that really would be a total blow to the Biden presidency, and I believe even Manchin uh, doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's an interesting time we live in, Congressman. Okay, let's pick Certainly up some phone is. calls here for you. Nola in Inglewood, California. You are on the air with Congressman Connor. I have a question, uh, Mr. O'Connor. I want to know why the state of California spends all this money for drop boxes, and they're in a, several languages, but there's nothing in Spanish. And I ask because I know at least one person didn't understand what the drop box was for because they said somebody set aside two bags of fresh, clean clothes because the drop boxes look exactly like the boxes we have around here for recycling clothing. Uh, thank you. And I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you, Nola. Oh, that's a surprise to me that there wouldn't be Spanish language. My understanding is that is the first language that's often required for uh, in California by law. Uh, if you write to my office of where you're finding these drop boxes and where 
Spanish is required, we can look into it and uh, follow up. Sharon in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Thank you. Um, when I was growing up, we were always taught there's no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody has to pay for it. So I think a way that we can wipe out a lot of the student loans and maybe even future student loans is to have a national obligation program like many companies, uh, many countries have, where they have to give back the first year after graduation to the country in some type of way, not necessarily a draft or military, but the farmers need help, nursing homes need help, uh, the prisons need help, and it will give people a chance to get out of their economical communities and learn a little bit more and maybe be more compassionate towards people because they have a better understanding of how they are. Do you think something like that would help? And let me add, Congressman, um, Charlie Rangel used to come on this program regularly back when he was still around and, uh, and pitch this idea or, you know, a national service that was tied to a draft, basically. Back to you. Sharon, uh, Tom, I'm open to some kind of national service, whether that's after high school, whether uh, it's uh, around, uh, you know, 21 and having some sense of going into different communities. It could help tie our country uh, better together by forcing people to experience communities that they aren't uh, a part of. Uh, but I, I wouldn't link that to the student loan forgiveness, which is a whole separate thing, which is that we've got a whole generation uh, burdened with thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 of debt, uh, disproportionately black women, by the way, with the highest debt. And it's totally unfair that if you're middle class uh, and your parents pay for your education, you get to start out uh, with a clean slate. Uh, but if you're working class, and then you go to, to, to get higher education post high school, uh, you basically start with so much debt that you may never get out of it. Uh, we have the money to be able to pay that off. And how do we pay that off? We tax the wealthy and we tax big corporations uh, and we can do that. And so I'm for debt forgiveness for the working class and, and middle class. Annette in Northville, Michigan, you are on the air with Congressman Kana. Yes, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Kana. Um, I was watching CNN the other night, which I usually don't watch. I'm a progressive. Um, and Jaya Paul was being interviewed by Anderson Cooper, and he yeah. indicated to her, said to her, uh, do you feel like Virginia was a failure for the Democrats? And she was very sheepish about that. And my, my concern is, like what do you mean by sheepish? Because I'd love to hear you because I'm going on Anderson tonight, so I don't want to make the same mistakes. So what did, what, yeah. what did you not I like mean, about she, her answer? She just like, she like backed off and, okay, yeah, we're working on it. I mean, it was like, you know, shut up, man. We're, we're tough. That's what she should have said to him. I mean, he's getting paid by corporations to insult the progressive. Anyway, that's my question. We need to get tough. I have a neighbor who's uh, having cancer. She pays $750 a week for her insurance to get her chemo. I mean, we, there are people out here that are suffering and dying. We need drug reco you know, recovery. Please help us. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Annette. 
Well, thank you, Annette, for sharing that, that story at the end. And I uh, completely agree with you that this is why we need Medicare for all. This is why we need the prescription drugs to be able to negotiate so that people can have access to drugs that they need, uh, to, to life-saving drugs at a reasonable uh, uh, cost and without the exorbitant costs that Americans are having to pay. In terms of uh, Virginia, I mean, I think it just shows that we have to deliver and we have to deliver for the working class. Joe in Cupertino. Joe, you must have speed dial or something. You always seem to get through in Congress with Conazon. You are on the air with your member of Congress. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. Congressman, I, the other day, Tom had a caller call in, and he's an elderly gentleman, and he said that in 24 different states, children, or should I say minors, at the age of 16 are eligible to vote in a primary election for president. I think he said 17. Therefore be, well, therefore being eligible to vote in the presidential election when they are 18. Now, I have two kids, and they're both registered, but unfortunately, one did miss the recall. She wasn't old enough that then, but they're both registered, but they can't vote in a primary election. Is, I do, is that a state issue, or is that a federal issue? Because it's a federal election that we're asking uh, the youth to participate in when they are, will be affected by a, the, the presidential election in the following year. I, I, I didn't know if I would go to Evan Lowe or if I would go to you. I'm not sure who I would speak to about that, but I think that's where we can get back uh, some reasonable thinking in the electoral process in this country, and at least in California. Uh, we've proved it in the recall. Do you have an opinion on that? So I believe 16-year-olds should be allowed to vote. Ayanna Presley, the representative from uh, Massachusetts, has a bill allowing that. And the reason I think that is it's before they move and they're in high school. And you can actually then encourage through high school participation in voting. I actually think it would create a culture of voting. As opposed to 18, so many people move away, they change residences, and that's a very complicated time to start start voting. So uh, I am for that. Uh, there's a federal bill that hasn't passed, uh, but I also think states uh, have some discretion to do it uh, in their own communities. Of course, a federal solution would be the best. Dave in New Brunswick or New Jersey, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Minute and a half. Hi, Congressman Khanna. Um, I wanted to thank you for your support to uh, uh, cancel student loan debt. Um, I went and got my MBA 15 years ago, and I haven't been able to pay much of it down. Um, I've done everything I can. I, I've tried to, uh, you know, I've taken jobs that are take six hours of commuting every day. I, I've driven Uber after work, and I'm still stuck with my student loans. And the only way I'm going to get it paid down now is, is by working 60 hours a week as a self-employed person. Um, you know, also, I'd, I'd just like to point out when I was driving all those miles and, and you know, if I, when I work 60 hours a week, it's not just that I'm not, it's just that I'm not having fun and it's not good for my health. I'm also burning a lot of carbon in doing so, you know, and finding right. jobs that have, you know, so I think student, eliminating student debt would, would help with uh, climate change. That's a great point. Uh, I mean, the reality is that someone like you who, who works hard, who gets an education, shouldn't be in debt for 15, 20 years. That's not uh, the American dream. That's not American opportunity. We ought to be able to provide people health and education in this country, and then you make what you can of those opportunities. Uh, but to have people in thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars of debt, never being able to then buy a house, never being able to build savings, always worried about making one monthly payment after the other, uh, concerned about having kids, uh, we're leaving this new generation, this younger generation, with too much of a burden, and it's going to extend to less. 50s, 60s, sometimes 
70s. So uh, it's one of the biggest things we can do. The president actually can do this by executive order, and many of us are pushing him to, to do that. What do you think the chances are he will? I think he's going to have to do something. I don't think it'll be the 50,000 that uh, Senator Warren and Schumer want, but I, I'm hoping he'll at least do something, and I believe he will. Yeah, even 10 or 20,000 bucks would be a big deal. Thank you. Uh, Congressman Rokana with us. We'll be right back with more of your calls for him in just a moment. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Congressman Lou O'Connor taking your calls here on the Tom Hartman program. Lou in Pueblo, Colorado. You are on the air with Congressman Khan. Hey, good morning. I got a comment on actual message in the street. I, I talked to a lot of progressive friends. I have some right-wing friends, too. But the regardless of what's actually happening, they believe that nothing's being done. All the Democrats are sold out. Um, you know, no money's. They're ignoring the lowest unemployment in history. And I point these things out, but the message be these people are getting is entirely opposite of what is reality. So what, and we can't just say we're poor at it, and we can't say we need to look at it. We need to be fixing it. What are you guys doing to fix the messaging to make sure reality is getting to citizens? Well, and let me add to that, if I may, Lou and Congressman Kana. We had a call from a fellow who said that in his state, and I don't recall which state it was, it seems like it was Iowa. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was Iowa. He said that they're just being carpet-bombed carpet wall-to-wall with ads by the Chamber of Commerce and right-wing groups that they've never heard of talking about how Nancy Pelosi is going to get a $200,000 park in, her, in San Francisco, how to build back better. It's bloated. It's full of pork. It's going to destroy your ability to have you know, good drugs. I mean, obviously, you know, we know who the, but there's literally not one single ad on the air, although these ads are happening literally every hour in Iowa. There's not one single ad on the air taking the side of the Democrats. 
Well, Tom, that's a, a real problem. We're under a structural disadvantage because the corporate interests funded through the chamber, funded through uh, other uh, Koch brother institutes have a, a huge financial advantage. And we mobilize usually when there's a presidential election, but you're right about building the infrastructure uh, during in between those elections, uh, including, as we've discussed in the past radio, I mean, we are just uh, don't have the infrastructure that the Republicans do uh, to, to get the message out. Uh, so we need to have a, a real plan for that. And we do need to actually deliver the bills and then talk about what's in the bills. But uh, I take the caller's point about this asymmetry in infrastructure and getting the message out. Do you think that taking back to your colleagues in the, in the Progressive Caucus or in the Democratic Party, that spending money at right now as if it was the midterm elections will actually influence the midterm elections because if you guys can spend money to get this legislation passed that legislation itself is going to be the best ad for vote for a democrat yes and i think we will once we get it passed i think we would go uh have some investments uh in uh places touting the the benefits and touting what we've done uh, but again, the Democrats often have to be more judicious because we don't have these unlimited resources. And uh, the other side has a lot more uh, resources for these independent expenditures that have been part of the Citizens United world. Right. Uh, Dale in Hale, Michigan. Hey, Dale, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. Hey, yeah. Hey, I've got a question for Mr. Uh, uh I got a, a thing about rights, about abortion rights and so on. Uh, how about this scenario? When somebody dies, our responsibility uh, to uh, to bury that person's headstones and so on, is, you have to have a separate uh, life insurance policy. Why is it not when it goes on the women's rights and so on? Has it ever been discussed about insurance policies, about pregnancy tests, and everything about help pay for as, as the Republicans want? They want to see some kind of help pay for it. Well, I think that's a way out that we can kind of go into the women's rights things without getting too religiously involved uh, about trying to get some life insurance policies that is, you know, uh, prenatal and and all the rights. So I'll take my answer up the air. Well, all I would say is that I'm a strong supporter of uh the right to choose, a woman's right to bodily autonomy, to make a decision uh, with her body. Most of the time, these are health decisions. These are decisions that are very, very personal, uh, and that that right is under assault, and we need to do what we can uh, to stand up for that right uh, in Texas and across the country. Christian in Fresno, Texas. Christian, you are on the air with Congressman Conn. Hey, how you doing, Congressman? I was calling because um, I wanted to talk about the voting rights um, I'm here in Texas, and they're passing all kind of laws to kind of keep people from voting. And voting is our main, you know, voting is our main thing. You know, if we, if we, you know, if we're not voting, then the Democrats are not winning. And we need you guys to kick in and really fight to get these voting rights passed. Because you know, if I feel if we don't fight properly for this with some sense of urgency, we're going to lose. I agree with you completely. In fact, I was chatting on the floor with uh, John Sarbanes, who's been leading uh, this effort, and he said this is about the most principled point that we're fighting for. All the other things uh, matter in terms of giving people 
the opportunity to go to preschool and to matters in terms of uh, uh, the benefits and tax cuts for working class. But ultimately, how can you say you're a democracy if people in this country are being denied the right to vote based on their economic status or their race uh, with restrictive voting laws? So this is the most urgent moral fight. Uh, And I am uh, uh, committed to it, as are many people in the House. And we're going to push once this agenda is through the president, as he has indicated a number of times, to come out and say we can't have the filibuster when it comes to voting rights. Uh, It's not just the stakes of the 2022 election. It's the stake of our democracy. Bill in Vashon Island, Washington, you're on the air with Congressman Cobb. Good morning. Thank you both for your excellent leadership. Um, I'm following the supply chain crisis pretty closely. Um, I wrote the book uh, Solutionary Rail with a team of folks. And um, the supply chain crisis is revealing a systemic problem that requires a systemic response. I was interested to graph the the use of language around multinationalism, globalization, offshoring, and deregulation. And 40 years of globalization and deregulation have a positive feedback loop with very negative consequences for domestic manufacturing and family farmers. Uh, Tom's recent article on populism referenced Senator Hawley's Build It and Sell It in America Act. Uh, progressives could tweak that bill to support human rights and labor standards and work with both Ambassador Tai on import standards and STB chairman uh, to force uh, the Wall Street-controlled railroads to return service to family farmers and small manufacturers in the United States. I wonder um, if this is something that you're interested in working on. Yes. No, I mean, it's a good idea. I mean, the idea, first of all, that we need to build supply chains in the United States is uh, obvious to everyone. We can't have things coming uh, from thousands of miles away, uh, especially if if there's a crisis. Uh, And we need to create more of those jobs in in our country. And so if our uh, manufacturers are at a systematic disadvantage because they are uh, better when it comes to climate or they're better when it comes to human rights, uh, there ought to be some uh, leveling uh, for those uh, issues in the the trading regime. Uh, And uh, that is something that the Democrats should be for, that we're for creating jobs here by making sure that that, – production overseas that is not environmentally sound or doesn't have human rights standards uh, has an appropriate price on it. Mark in Long Beach, California, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Mr. Kana? Yes, Mark. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call, and please continue appearing on this show and Chris Cuomo's. Oh, I love it. I love uh, the show. Here's my one question. I'm dying to hear what you're going to tell me. My question is, instead of this tax on uh, people making 10 and 25 million. What would happen if only a 1% tax increase, just 1% on people making a million or more and nothing else, would generate more tax revenue instead of the one that's being suggested? Is that the case, Mark? I haven't looked at the numbers. I mean, I'm for increasing taxes on those making over a million by more than 1%. I mean, we can uh, increase that, and we ought to increase the corporate tax rate, which we aren't being able to do because of Senator Cinema. We ought to be able to uh, have some kind of billionaire wealth tax. But, but uh, you know, there are a lot of revenue sources. Mary in Waterloo, Iowa, you're on the air with Congressman Conant. Okay, back to the student loans. Uh, 
President Biden gives a 10,000 deduction, but there's the interest rate. My son has a 6.5 interest rate, and of course he cannot wow. refinance lower. That's high. You know, I had student loans in it. Uh, some of mine were at, at 7, 8%, but others were at 3, 4%. But yeah, I mean, 6% is, is a very high interest rate and, and it compounds, as you know. And that's why it's cruel what we're doing. Now, what I've said is, uh, if you have a f- good fortune, like I, I did, and you end up uh, doing well, then fine, you can pay the loans. But if you are stuck in the uh, working class, middle class, if you're uh, you know drowning in debt, then the government should step in and, and, and pay those off so that people can start fresh, so that they can get some equity in a house, so they can start a family, uh, so they can build a life. Uh, we've never, I think, had in this country uh, an entire generation just drowning in debt, uh, starting off their life. So uh, it's something the president can do, and, and many of us are pushing him to do it. Dan in Roxy, Mississippi, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Hey, well, got a question. My, my, my biggest thing is, why is it that no one ever talks about the price of, of power, like our power bills, our gas bills, and water bills? Everybody everybody keeps wanting to cut corners, cut corners, but my God, we have cut corners so much, the poor have. It, it's just like winter is coming. And most people cut back by, by, by not using their gas to heat their homes in, here in the South. I mean, that, that's a major thing here. In, in California, you remember when Enron drove up utility prices and, and people couldn't afford to pay their power bills anymore. Well, we're still in that. Even though they, that went away, power bills never went back down. Now it's happening all even here in the South where I'm at. Why is it that nobody in Congress ever addresses that issue? Nobody ever talks about the high utility bills. That affects the poor probably just as much as filling up your, your gas tank just to go back and forth to work, which which now is we're at 3 and $4 a gallon here in the South. I can imagine California. What is it there in California now, 5 and, and six? 6 bucks. Yeah, 6 bucks. I I, uh, I appreciate that, and I, I think there are two points to it, uh, three points, if you allow me. First is we need more renewable energy uh, and alternative sources of, 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 of energy, because that would re- reduce the demand for uh, uh, on natural gas and on oil, and, and if you have more supply, that's going to bring down the price. Second, I think public utilities, many of them ought to be uh, owned by uh, the state or by customers, not for profit. I mean, PG&E in California has been a disaster. Uh, they are basically have been uh, a place where hedge funds have made tr- tremendous amount of money. Uh, Ratepayers have had 80% increases, uh, and it's because it's of total privatization as opposed to have being a public public good. And third is we need more regulation on the price for utilities. So. Those are three things I think we ought to be for. Uh, Barbara in Chicago Heights, you are on the air with Congressman Connor. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Congressman Connor. Um, my, my idea is we've got to do something about the engagement of the Democratic base. We saw that in Virginia. But one thing they're doing well is they're keeping their base engaged. They're having rallies. They have CPAC every year. 
what are we going to do to get us engaged? And I'm not, I, you know, just to say that we had, we're at a financial disadvantage with infrastructure, it's not good enough. We've got to get these people emotionally engaged. So I'm thinking more rallies, moral Mondays like Reverend Barber has. Yeah. That we need to do. Well, Reverend Barber is a brilliant uh, visionary and organizer, and I agree with you. I think that not everything requires money. We've got to have some way of keeping the energy and activism uh, of our our base uh, making an impact. Now, climate is one place where I've seen that with young people. It's really energized them. They can, are continuing to, to organize. Uh, but I, I, I think Democrats have not done as well in thinking through the structure of politics, the infrastructure of politics. John in Kashmir, Washington, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. Good morning. Given the numerous abuses we saw during Trump's time in office, are the Democrats doing anything along the lines of establishing a committee to Trump-proof the office of the president from future corrupt practices in that office, such as uh, Trump visiting his own hotel and golf properties at taxpayer expense, or making policy announcements and decisions through online services such as Twitter, in addition to a long list of other improper practices? Um, If not, please do so. John, it's a great point, and I don't think we've done it uh, enough. I mean, we have the January 6th Commission, which is looking at how we prevent a president from engaging in uh, advocating for insurrection. Uh, we have oversight doing certain uh, analysis of, of abuses. But we, you're right. We ought to have uh, a group of people that are looking at all of the abuses that took place and what are the recommendations that will strengthen democracy? What is the legislation that needs to pass so those abuses don't take place again? Frankly, I, this could be a place where the president appoints a commission, maybe with the speaker, and even have McConnell have, you know, make it bipartisan. What are the ways we need to strengthen a democracy uh, so that if you have a norms-defying president again, uh, he can't do that? And I, I, I will raise this with several people in the Congress because I don't think that there is any focus on that. It's ad hoc in different parts of the Congress and, and administration. Congressman. Thoughts on the coming weeks, what we should be doing? We've got to pass, pass these bills. I mean, we've got to, if, you know, I don't think Virginia and, and, and New Jersey, I mean, I, it was that complicated other than that, that we haven't done enough. We haven't delivered enough. And you look at, at history and you see when, when one side doesn't deliver, then it opens it up for all, all of the distracting politics, that the, the CRT and all of the other stuff. So I am going to do everything I can, and the Progressive Caucus is going to do everything we can to get these bills to the president. Great. Great. Keep us up to date, sir. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Okay. Thank you so much, Congressman Connor. It's always great having you on. Congressman Roe Connor, you can check out his website at Connor, K-H-A-N-N-A.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Roe Connor. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
And welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Lance in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Lance, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how are you there? Good. What's up? Good. Hey, Tom, wanted to get your opinion, you know, on the Supreme Court and Biden. We know that there's a big disparity right now with the Supreme Court. So do you think that if Biden was to not, you know, was to nominate some additional justices to, you know, to to make it at least even, because now if we can want the best politician we can to run. But if they can't afford to run, you know, if they're not getting corporate money or some other money. Seems like that's going to be a losing team there. What do you think? Well, you raised two issues. Uh, in order to for President Biden to put more people on the Supreme Court, Congress would have to pass a law expanding the number of people who are on the court. That's that's up to the House representatives of the Senate. It could be done with a simple majority vote, but it has to be done by Congress. Secondly, uh, were uh, the uh, you know were somebody to to die or or decide to retire from the Supreme Court. Um, yeah, Biden could put somebody on the court. Uh, however, if the control of the Senate goes back to the Republicans, they'll do the same thing they did. Uh, Mitch McConnell will do the same thing he did to, to um, uh, President uh, Obama. He'll just you know, refuse to, to pass it along. He, he won't let it happen. So, uh, wow. have I answered your questions? That's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> really Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, Lance. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, good to hear from you. Thank you. Sean in uh, Oakland, California. Hey, Sean, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. You know, we have given many, many concessions to Mansion and Cinema for the Build Back Better bill. Yeah. I sure in the heck hope that we tied these concessions. Uh, in negotiations to both of them agreeing to carve out the filibuster for a Voting Rights Act that we know not one Republican will ever support. Because, you know, the Republicans are stealing our freedom to vote, and they're trying to steal the freedom of our vote to be counting, counted. What do you think about that? I, I am quite sure that there was not a, a relationship like you're describing. And the reason why is because Manchin and Cinema don't see those um, uh, compromises, shall we say, as gifts to them. They, they still think that they're being put upon having to raise taxes on the rich people that, in the case of Joe Manchin, he is a multimillionaire, or in the case of Kirsten Cinema, she's paid for, you know, by multimillionaires. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't, th I, I, it would be great if it worked out that way, but not a chance. Tom in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Tom says here you're a climate scientist. Do you want to say something? What's up? Yeah, Tom. There's a story that I told in 1968 on WBAI, but I, was, I had been consulting at Caltech where planetary science started, mm -hmm. and they had some great computers in, in Pasadena. And what I helped them do was to calculate. They looked at the ocean, and they looked at clam shells, and they could tell 55 million years ago what happened to the earth. In other words, they knew the ocean temperatures, they, and it was the last time that the basically the caps melted. They right. call it the Eocene Thermal Max. Mm -hmm. So going back to that point in time, we were repeating that experiment. What happened is the methane came out, you know, the methane hydrate, the methane in, yep. in, in, in the forest and so forth. And it still is a methane story going on. And the story that a lot of people are telling is, is, is about the triggering of the CO2. But the main forces that are really causing climate change and things that are triggered that we have to worry about, we have to we have to deal with the ocean and the forest. Yeah. And for example, to cut another tree and not to re it takes 20 years to regenerate a forest, at a minimum. 
and then the ocean, you know, the, the fishing, the, the plastic, the, you know, we, we have to put a lot, incredible resources into the ocean. And so many of the solutions just seems like something we don't want to talk about. Like one example of a solution is we spend huge amounts of money on the military. In other words, can you just stop the military and the weapons and the, and the expenditure on that? Can you get people to change the way they the way they live? Yeah, I, under, I understand, to, uh, Tom, that the military, the U American military, is the single largest consumer of carbon products or emitter of carbon products on the planet. Is that accurate? That has been accurate at certain times. During a war, the war situation, when you have something like Iraq, it's insane. But some of these things, can we deal with war? Can we deal with people consuming less? Can we deal with people stopping cutting forests down in in Russia, in Brazil, the Amazon forest? Can we replant forests in North America? Can we deal with the permafrost and make sure that we don't drill and mess up? Isn't the number one step, though, Tom, to just stop burning fossil fuels? I mean, I, it seems to me like it's time for a variation on Germany's 100,000 rooftop program. Well, I think the fossil fuels, that would help the triggering effect. But you see, 70% is based upon, at least, is, is the methane. So mm -hmm. what we've got to do is stop that methane from coming out. So, yeah. And the other thing that we need to do is really stop consuming so much. And there really is a population problem. Oh, yeah. You, I agree. You, Thanks for the call. Tom in Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, Tom, what's Tom, on your mind? I wanted... I'm talking about a weighted uh, voting, or it's where, you know, if somebody doesn't get the 50%, they redo it. Oh, you're talking about uh, ranked choice voting or instant runoff exactly. voting? Exactly. Yeah. Thank okay. you, Tom. You're amazing. Sure. Thank you for that. So if the, guy, if the feds could just come on to a template sort of thing and pass it on to the state so it could happen quick. Oh, there's really already a template happen. out there, Tom. I mean, San Francisco is the largest city in America that does this. They've been doing it for a decade now. It's not a secret how to do it. I think Maine just started doing it. Yeah. And the reason why both the Democratic and Republican parties institutionally are opposed to it is because it makes it much, much easier for third parties to participate in elections. Yeah, it's really more of a primary thing, but it's, it's essential yeah. to get in the right well, I'm all in favor of it. I, I absolutely think that it's a good thing. Well, I, I just kind of think that if we had the executive helping us just put it in the hands of every state, the odds get better than say, oh, this state did it or that state did it. I'm with you, Tom. I'm with you. Thank you. Bren in Madison Heights, Virginia. Hey, Bren, what's up? I'm a Virginian, and I heard somebody call in and say, where were the progressives? Well, I don't know where they were, but my husband and I were there, and we voted for McAuliffe, but we are true Bernie progressives. It was not anything we wanted to do, but that was the choice we were given. Yeah. And is, is it your I'm, sense as a Virginian that if they had put up a candidate for governor like like Phil Murphy, who's, you know, solidly progressive, not a Clinton-esque puppet? Yeah, I think something might have happened. Yeah, because, I mean, they're the only ones who really tried to regain our trust. They have integrity, the progressives, they have courage and they're up against the DNC. They're up against the media. And they have minimal resources except what the grassroots can do. Anyway, I appreciate everything you do and that you give a platform for the progressives that, you know, we can hear in detail what they're working on. We don't hear that anywhere else. And so, oh, I know, the guy said something about, well, what are you going to do, um, Representative Khanna? And I'm thinking, it's not what, I mean, he's going to do everything he can with the limited resources and 
and media that he can get. But it's going to be the grassroots are going to have to keep on pushing. And Lord knows, I hope nothing happens to Bernie because he he is the heart of all of this. And I'm hoping that that things keep, keep working along. And I can't believe that the Democrats, the corporate ones, or the established ones don't understand that there are so many progressives out here. It's kind of like you said, 17% masks, you know, that they're the only people that want it. They ignored all the money that Bernie raised, the Democrats did. Mm-hmm. All that money. So that should tell them something. Yeah. And then, and then I, I have a question for you. I want to know, I, I talked to my left messages with my senators last week about uh, trying to, to get pharmaceutical prices down and, and how that covers so many classes. It covers employers and old people and young people. and and. Um, so what's your question, Brent? Well, uh, what Sorry, I see a break excuse? coming. Okay, what is the excuse that, that the Democrats and or their congressmen use not to lower drug prices? What is the rationale? I've not heard anybody do that. They just repeat the lie of Big Pharma, which is that all that profit is being used to develop new drugs that will save your life in the future. When, in fact, you and I both know that the actual new, new drugs are being developed with federal money. Paul in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Paul, we got about a minute left. What's up? Uh, I'm the guy with the acupuncturist that cures Republicanitis. Just wanted to do a quick (laughs) item. Uh, New Mexico, I listened to you a long time ago. I think you said Canada got health care because whoever the hero is that did it, did it in one province and it spread to the rest of the country. Tommy Douglas, Saskatchewan, yes. Yeah. Well, are you aware of what's going on in New Mexico? No, I'm not. Uh, for the last 20 years, they've been working on universal health care for the state of New Mexico, mm-hmm. analogous, I think, to, this, to the health care in Canada. So if you go to nmhealthsecurity.org, N-M-H-E-A-L-T-H security.org, it'll tell you all about it. Okay. And uh, the last legislative session, uh, they just allocated money to do a financial feasibility study, so it'll be an exception under Obamacare for everybody in the state with some provisions for that's the Native great. Americans. Or that's whatever. great. You know, Congressman so, Ro Khanna is... I you to that. Yeah, Ro, Congressman Ro Khanna is the co-author of a piece of legislation that will allow, although it was built into Obamacare, it's got all kinds of weird strings attached to it, that would allow Medicare and Medicaid funding to come into a state that does a single-payer system. So t- yeah, check that nice out. To be, nice to be number one, and it's something in a good way in there, New Mexico. There you go. Paul, i got to run. But thank you for the call. And, uh, hey, special thanks to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer, Nance, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick White, Geraldine Halbert, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabberwocky, Jay LeBlanc, Cotter Arroyo, and Carna Verde for keeping our show going. Uh, special thanks to every single radio station, television station, network, uh, whatever it may be, satellite that carries our program, and to our advertisers and sponsors. Thank you all. And to you for listening and for sharing the good word. Thank you. We'll see you on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. Get out there, get active. Tag You've your been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.